Yo, what's up, guys? Happy, happy Friday to you. I hope you've had a great week. Go ahead and get in on the chat. Let's get the party started. It's Friday. It's 5 o'clock. Usually we have a weigh-in to watch now, but the lomachenko Kome weigh-in already happened today, so I'll pull that up here in a second. But uh, I wanted to talk about what I'll be doing here tomorrow in town. Uh, Man, it is a cold, gray, rainy day here in Atlanta. It's been like dark gray out all day. It's basically Alaska outside, except it's like 40-something degrees Fahrenheit for those of you listening from overseas. Um, So it's warm enough, just warm enough for it to be a really cold rain instead of a beautiful snow. So I'm like, damn it, we need some snow. Maybe we'll get some snow later this month or in January, but uh, it snows like once a year here. That's, That's it. But it looks like snow today, like for real, except it's just a little bit too warm. Anyway, uh, let me pull up my, uh, let me share this screen right here. Guys, uh, I've been telling you uh, about this all week. Uh, I'm going to be calling the fights tomorrow with Money Powell III here at a, a club show here in Atlanta, the Underground Showdown, Buckhead Fight Club. All you have to do to watch this card live is go to the WBC's uh, WBC Network's site. So I'll show you real quick. Um, and you could just Google it, Google WBC live channel, WBC live network, and boom, this pops up. Okay. So if you click right here, watch WBC TV live, if you click on this, it'll prompt you to set up a profile. And that looks like this, just to show you guys how it looks. Um, and you can see right here. So this is where you set up email, password all that good stuff. And then once you put that in, you have to register with your email password. It's free. Boom. You got it. And as you can see uh, in the background there, there's a show playing right now. Um, The neutral corner plays every week, all week here on the WBC channel uh, worldwide. So you guys can see that, but you can see all kinds of other cool content on there, man. There's uh, uh, T street controversies on here and there's a bunch of other good stuff on here. So you could go to WBC Live and they edit the videos. They kind of clean them up, sweeten them. The quality of the, the video on this channel is a lot better than YouTube. So um, if you guys want to watch this on your TV at home and stuff, quality is awesome. Anyway, all you got to do is create this login, right? So right here it says login, but if this was your first time, you sign up. Sign up, boom, it's free. You're registered. And then you can tomorrow watch. Let me go back here. You can watch the Underground Showdown. I'll be calling the action. We have a really, really fun card. It's going to be uh, a fun club show with uh, main events, heavyweights. And I'll be calling the action again, along with Money Powell III, who's a really, really cool guy, has a distinct like old school voice. You guys will enjoy it, man. It's going to start at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So <clears throat> if you get registered by tomorrow, check us out. Right at set from like 7 to 7.15. Money Powell and I will be kind of doing like an intro. We'll we'll be talking about the fights. We'll also not just be talking about the fights that we're going to call here in Atlanta, but we will be talking about the Lomachenko Kome fight and some other recent fights. So we'll be breaking all that down. And then I think the first bell is like at 720 or something like that. So um, look, I know there's a million fights on tomorrow. I get it. A lot of those fights are on apps where you can watch anytime. So if you want to watch some fun, like, 
I guess if you want a pregame for the big, big fights later on that come on late tomorrow night, just check us out, man. Check us out. You'll have a good time. Uh, those shows are always fun. You always see something crazy and good. All right. So I want to also pull up this weigh-in for, for the weigh-in heads. I got to pull up the weigh-in here. So we'll play that. I'll back this up here. <clears throat> of course, an ad plays. I have no idea what the hell this is. We'll just skip this ad. Boom. Okay. So we'll let that play. And then uh, we'll do our thing. Guys, if you want to get in on the phones, phones are lit right now. You guys can get on there. Or I'm saying phones are open. They're not lit. They're uh, they're open. So you guys can call in and we can talk about this thing. Um, if there's not a whole lot to talk about today, then we'll cut it short. All right. But right now I'll get over to the chat and we'll see what's going on. Um, MK says, if Lobo wins, does he become a mandatory for any of the belts? I don't know about that. I, I don't know if he becomes a mandatory for any of the lightweight belts. By the way, I love your profile picture. It's just like an awesome meal on a, on a big plate. It looks pretty damn good. I'm hungry right now, so that looks really good. Um, but obviously, he's going to be in a great position. Okay, so I favor Lomachenko to win, by the way. I think the over-under, my boy Trey was telling me, I think it's like eight and a half rounds which means it has to go nine and a half or more rounds. And I think it will. If I was going to bet the over-under, I'd bet the over on this. I got Lomachenko by decision because Comey's pretty durable. And I get it. He was knocked out by Tiafima Lopez, but that was a, a an explosive, power-punching, youthful lightweight at, that fights much different than Lomachenko. So I just see Loma doing his Matrix thing. And it's look, it's possible this fight could be stopped. It's possible Loma could get him with a body shot. I don't see it with a head shot. It's also possible that Comey's corner says, nah, we're good. But I just he's so tough. Comey's tough, man. Those those fighters from Ghana are tough. It's going the distance. <clears throat> Loma wins the decision. But then he's in position to possibly get that fight with Cambosos. Top rank would do that in a heartbeat. And they would absolutely go over to Australia. Look, I gotta say. A fight between Lomachenko and Cambosos is a bigger fight than a fight between Haney and Cambosos. And I would bet there's there's a part of me that would think Cambosos' team would look at Lomachenko as more vulnerable. He is older. He did lose to Tiafima Lopez, a guy they just beat. So that fight could happen. And I, I think that'd be a huge event. And, and And I asked this on Twitter. I'll ask you guys. A fight between Lomachenko and Cambosos in Australia. Is that the biggest fight in Australian boxing history? Some people brought up Pacquiao Horn, and I get that because of the upset and what happened. But going into that fight, it was seen as a huge mismatch. And Pacquiao, I believe, had a title coming into that fight, right? He had the what WBO welterweight title. I can't remember off the top of my head. It was a top-ranked fight, so it had to be the WBO. In this case, it's the Aussie who has all the titles. He's the undisputed champion and the old champions coming to Australia, right? So uh, this could be, if it happens, the biggest fight in Australian boxing history. <clears throat> OJ says, Mike in chat. Yes, sir. That's what's up. Trey says, weather sucks. Yes, it does. Although I went to the gym today. <clears throat> you guys saw me tweet out the picture of my awesome crunk gear. By the way, I should mention this. Um, I talked to several members of the Crunk team this this last past weekend, and I'm working on a story for Ring Mag. It's not going to be in this issue coming out 
uh, next, this month. It's going to be coming out next month, probably, because I already have one in uh, this issue. And it's, it's a lot of year-end stuff in this coming issue, right? That, that The deadline was today. Actually, our editorial deadline was today. Um, so but it's going to be in the next issue, next, next issue. But big news coming out of Crunk. Some really, really cool, positive stuff. And Crunk branding is going to significantly increase over the next five years, significantly. And Crunk Jim is actually going to be expanding. I can't talk about this too much on the record. All right, I don't want to give away too much, but it's going to be expanding into different markets outside of Detroit. Really, really cool stuff. I, I will add one thing. A lot of the crunk gear that you guys see on uh, on all these sites and stuff, it's not the actual crunk gym. It's, it's some other manufacturer, right? Um. The actual crunk gym gear that comes from actual crunk in Detroit funds their youth development program. And so in the coming weeks and months, I actually probably by the end of next week, I will have a discount code that I can give to you guys that you can use to get discounts on legitimate official crunk gear. And um, that's going to go to fund the youth development program there in Detroit that's helping at-risk kids. I talked to Jeff Styers, who runs the program. He's a former fighter out of Detroit. Uh, coincidentally enough, he did not come up in Crunk. He would, Crunk was like a rival gym for him across town. But uh, he's from um, Westland, which is like 20 miles west of Detroit. Anyway, he was telling me 100% of the kids in the program, 100% are, there, are either from a no-parent home, which is the majority, or a single-parent home, 96% of them are on a free lunch program at school. Uh, you know, growing up briefly, there was a time where I was on a lot of my childhood, I was on reduced lunch. I, I never had, I probably could have qualified for free lunch at one point when I was in high school, but my mom was too proud. <laughs> but um, I was on reduced lunch and I, I know how that feels. And anyway, it just, it just really took me back and, and kind of hit me right here because these kids, they're going through a lot up there and the, the, the youth development program they have going, it's pretty badass. So I'm going to be talking more and more about that. We're going to have some guys from the old crunk on the show, on my, my podcast in the new year, all kinds of cool stuff coming. And the next time I can get up to Detroit, I'm going to visit the new crunk. I'm going to train there, work out there. It's going to be badass guys. Anyway. Yeah. I don't even know how I got on that tangent. Oh yeah. I was working out today. Sorry. That, that, that whole tangent I went on. I was working out today in my crunk gear and I tweeted a photo of my crunk gear that they just sent me down. Um, and um, it was so gray and rainy and shitty out. I went home, took a shower and passed out for like two hours on my couch. And then I woke up and, and logged in here to do the show. That's, you know, when it's gray and rainy and shitty like that. That's what you do. Cause my wife is out of town or else I'll be doing something else right now. Uh, Joe says PBC is getting ready to announce Ariola versus Stiverne live on pay-per-view in February, only 89.99. Well done, sir. Well done. I wouldn't put it past him at this point. Blood orange says, uh, who should Robert Hellenius fight next? Um, he wants a title opportunity. He, it's definitely going to be one of the PBC guys. I mean, what, dude, imagine if Deontay Wilder does a comeback fight and it's 
Robert Hellenius. I mean, something like that could happen. We could see that. But he's definitely going to be in a title hug if he wants it, but he might have to fight outside of the PBC universe to do that. Uh, let's see who's next. Who's next on this chat? Kufujitsu says Loma and Comey are highly ranked in the WBO. So it looks like the winner becomes mandatory for Cambosos. Wouldn't surprise me. I haven't looked at the W. I don't look at these sanctioning body ratings unless, unless it pertains to a story I'm working on or something. I just, I don't care. But we're Bob's organization. That's the WBO. So, yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. Bob runs that organization. Keith is on the chat. What's up, Keith? He says, if Loma wins emphatically, he should jump ahead of the pack. I would think so. I would think so. If he if he does, you know, if he if he knocks Comey out in five or six rounds, like that's something none of us are expecting, right? Uh, that would be a really really big statement. Gufujitsu says Fennec versus Nelson two was a big fight in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah, you know, I forget about fights like that. And then who's um, uh, who's the one fighter that I think it was a Muslim fighter out of uh, Australia. That was pretty popular. I mean, they've had some big events over there, so maybe it wouldn't be the biggest event in. Australian boxing history, but Cambosos defending his undisputed lightweight championship against a former pound for pound number one guy, maybe the greatest amateur ever, one of the top five greatest amateur boxers ever, Vasily Lomachenko. That's got to be up there, right? It's got to be their biggest fight in 20 years or something over there. I know that much. Twal says Loma probably lost a step, but he is still two steps ahead of everyone at lightweight. Eh, we'll see. We'll see tonight. Blood Orange asked an interesting question. Will the ring ever expand into MMA? Well, it's funny you ask that. Let me grab one of these. Um, there have been, you know, we've dabbled slightly, but I know that Doug, the current editor, Doug Fisher, oh, this is a special issue. I, I mean, there's some issues. Uh, there's some issues that do have like a little MMA insert in there. See, I want to see if I could find one. I've seen it before. Uh, I don't think we've done one in a, in a long time. But Ronda Rousey was on the cover of Ring a few years back. That caused a hell of a lot of controversy. I think Doug is committed to keeping it a boxing website uh, and a boxing magazine because there are only literally – I don't even think five around the world that still exist, at least in the English speaking world. It's pretty much us here in boxing news over in the UK. So I don't see that happening anytime soon and props for that because a lot of these other boxing platforms that do that, they do it for financial reasons. They don't give a shit about MMA. They just know that they can get more readers. It's the only reason they do it. Keep getting his damn ads. Man, some of them top rank girls. Look how curvy that girl's hips are. Did I just say that out loud? Oops, oops, oops. Um, okay, back to the chat. Kufujutsu says Loma still has his coordination. He's a handful for anybody. Yeah, if he's still got those angles and he can box, he's going to box circles around Kome. He just has to avoid getting hit. I think he can still do that. Mark Ashley says, I had Loma still the best when I knew he was losing to Lopez and he remains so. You're not alone. There's a, My boy Steve Kim did a poll on uh, Twitter. What, last week I think it was? It might have been this weekend. It's last weekend. 
And he asked, who's your number one lightweight in the world? And the winner was Loma. I think like 50% of people out there said Loma. So a lot of people still rate him number one. Trey, what's up, man? He says, uh, when will Xander fight real competition? Good question. I think they're going to step it up in 2022. The main thing there has just been keeping him busy, and they want to see improvement at this level of opposition. And I think you've seen it. I think I expect a big performance from him tomorrow. Here's what's funny. I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, Xander is fighting on the untelevised undercard. I think he'll be on the ESPN Plus app. But you know who's on the ESPN show? Nico Ali Walsh. Guys, we have to play the drinking game tomorrow. Um, every, every time. And you guys, we got to count this because you saw the poll I did on Twitter. The over and under is 20 mentions, okay? I want to see if ESPN will go over or under 20 mentions that Nico Walsh is Muhammad Ali's grandson. Every time they mention it, you got to take a swig of your drink. Whatever your drink of choice is, if you're drinking beer, you're drinking wine, you're doing shots, whatever it is. Every time they mention that, boom, you got to do a shot. Over under is 20. I, I, I can't see them going over 20. I'm going to bet the under. I'm actually going to bet the under. But we're going to have fun with it and troll a little bit. I won't be able to hear it live because I'm going to be doing the commentary here in Atlanta for, for our show here on the WBC Live Network. But uh, you guys will have to clue me in. And I'll be tweeting and stuff, and you guys will have to let me know what's going on. I don't know why they feel the need to shove that down our throats constantly. Because he's a white boy with cornrows that's related to Ali, and that's supposed to make us want to watch him. I, I just I don't know what their rationale is for shoving that down our throats constantly, but it's hilarious. And ESPN, the top rank, when they get on these narratives, man, they love pushing it. You know, remember with Tyson Fury with the lineal thing? I mean, they were really going hard with that when he was fighting guys like Tom Schwartz. And who was the other guy? Uh, who am I forgetting? Damn it. Otto Valin, right? But now that he actually is the lineal champion, they don't mention it half as much because they don't have to because he beat Wilder again, actually three times. So, so like now he's seen as the guy and they don't have to shove it down our throat and like force us to believe it. Most people believe Fury's the top heavyweight now. But when he was fighting Tom Schwartz and they had to like try to sell, hey, you're watching a historic event, it was just lineal every three seconds. I mean, Joe Tessitore would be making love to his wife, oh, lineal. You know, it just, it's all they talked about. It was hilarious. And now it's this Nico Walsh thing. Anyway, let's get Nacho on the phone because I know he's got some opinions about all this. Nacho's always got good stuff to say here. Let's bring him on. Nacho knows the shit. What's up, Nacho? How you doing, man? <laughs> Hey man, I'm good. How about you? Doing good, um, man. Just uh, with the whole Jesus, like you keep bringing it up. Um, I mean, I can't help but laugh. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I get know what it you're gonna either. say. Like, uh, with with Nico Ali, you're, they're killing me with this. Like, I mean, the kid has no resume whatsoever. It looks like he's never fought in his life. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, to me, Mike, this really feels like the. Uh, African-American version of uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is what they're trying to do with this kid. Yeah. They're going to try to build him up and then eventually try to get him a, a soft title shot and hopefully he wins it and then they can legitimize him as a quote-unquote champion, but he will have never really fought anybody in order to get to that belt. Yep. 
And I think that's ultimately going to be their end goal is to try to make this kid a, a champion and sell him as like, you know, a legit champ, but he's really not. You know, they're going to find the softest, you know, title holder they can get and then eventually hope that he's good enough to win that belt and, you know, just kind of do that. But, yeah, I agree. I don't get why they keep shoving this dude down our throat at this point. Like, nobody's clamoring to see this kid. I I, I don't get it. Yeah, do their their ratings skyrocket when he fights? You know, like, I mean. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, If they did. The Mike Coppagers, the Kevin Ioli, one of those guys would have talked about it, right? Um, because that would get them clicked. Yeah. So they would have brought it up. But that's not happening. So so it's just it's really difficult to understand their thinking. By the way, Nacho, I wanted to under, just on this line of thinking, did you see that PBC is doing a Christmas card and the two guys that they have? Oh, by the way, uh, Nico Ali Walsh is weighing in here on the video I'm showing. But did you see the PBC card they got coming up on Christmas? Yeah, um, <clears throat> Joey Spencer and Vito um, Milnecki. Vito Milnecki. Yeah, just, those yeah. are two more guys. I heard that... About that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I had heard about that card a few months ago because they wrote an article where uh, Milnecki had said that the PBC was telling him he was going to fight before the end of the year. So I figured at some point he was going to get on television again, but. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Mike, I don't know what they're doing with either one of those two kids. They're not really developing them in a way that legitimately makes them look like they're up-and-coming prospects. Mm. Um, I mean, Spencer's fighting nobodies, and Milnecki got beat by a guy who I think they thought he was going to beat really easily. So it's just weird how they're going about developing both of these kids. Like, I mean, they're not that much younger than somebody like Ryan Garcia mm-hmm. or Virgil Ortiz. And yet those guys are light years ahead of Melnick and close. right now. Or, and yeah. I, I think it so, goes to the, to the same line of thinking though, Nacho. And I, and I don't want to get overly political, but I think somebody at PBC thinks these are two white guys. They're young. They're good looking. Somehow they're going to break through. And I think that's what top ranks thinking with Nico Walsh. It's kind of the same thing. Where they they just think that there's going to be some demographic thing that happens where these guys become stars, and I think they don't they take for granted that boxing fans can tell the contenders from the pretenders. Like we know Boots Ennis, Virgil Ortiz; those are the guys we want to watch develop, not these guys, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The hardcores do, but honestly, I think they're marketing these guys to the casuals. I think that's what it is. I think they're trying to yeah, sell them to yeah. the casuals as guys who are going to be legit champions, but we all know they're not. They're just going to be guys, you know? Yeah, just so, another guy. <clears throat> yeah, it's Jag. really weird. Yeah, they're just really weird how they're doing it. But uh, just let me just touch on the cards real quick this weekend. Um, I think Loma's going to beat Kome. I think Kome will give him a tough fight for the first, you know, five, six rounds, but I think Loma figures him out. And then I think Loma ends up doing Kome like uh, he did Nakatani. I think he ends up stopping him late, probably like in the 10th. And then uh, in the um, Zayas, I like the kid a lot too, Mike. But yeah, I'm kind of wondering like at some point, are they really going to start stepping up the competition with him? Because like enough of the dudes who, you know, aren't on his level, he, he can wax those guys all day, every day. Like they need to put somebody in there who can actually give the kid a legitimate test. Uh, uh, that's what I want to see next. I want to see how he handles somebody 
who's not going to fold as soon as he starts hitting him, you know? Right. Right. And, um, and then, uh, what's the other, what's the co-main on that, uh, top rank card? I'm kind of blanking right now. Um, um, top rank. Well, they have a, is it Jared Anderson? Maybe. Cause I know Jared Anderson's on the card. Oh yeah. Big baby. Yeah. yeah. Big baby. I like yeah, him a lot, go. man. Yeah. I, I like him too. I yeah. think he's like the next up and coming heavyweight prospect. Yeah. That, that is good. And I definitely would like to see him continue to develop because I don't think it, it'll be too long before he eventually becomes a contender for, you know, somebody's belt. Yeah. Uh, now who will that be when, you know, the belts come up, that'll be the question, but I like watching him fight for sure. Um, the, uh, the one I wanted to bring up really quick, Mike, cause I've been kind of reading up on it earlier today. Did you hear Casemiro lost his belt on the scale because he couldn't make weight? No, I did not hear that. Yeah. So apparently, apparently they, they're having that card in uh, Dubai yeah. tomorrow Yeah. and he was weighing in to fight Paul Butler. And apparently there's a, a story uh, being put out that apparently he couldn't even get to the scale to weigh in that he was like suffering from gastritis and he wasn't going to be able to um, make it to the scale. So at this point they had to sanction an interim title fight between Paul Butler and get this Joseph Agbeko, who I haven't seen fight since Rigondo kicked his ass like seven, eight years ago. Holy shit. Like I was like, are you kidding me? Like, wow. That's crazy, man. That's <laughs> like, crazy, dog. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't believe that they dug that dude up and brought him out and are going to give him a title shot tomorrow night. It's That's insane. I'm like, wow. Like, jeez, just when you thought, just when you thought they couldn't dig up any more guys who we thought were done. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude. Get Joseph Agbeko. I'm, I'm surprised like, wow. Agbeko made yeah. weight. <clears throat> yeah, he, apparently he did. Because the fight with him and Butler is happening tomorrow, so yeah, I, I'm assuming he must have just been on standby in case one of these two guys didn't make weight. Because I mean, how else would he have uh, made weight for a fight so quickly? So it's like somebody knew something yeah, we didn't. That, yeah, mm. that just was a very convenient how he just happened to show up. Yeah. Um, and then with the uh, the PBC card, um, I'm curious to see how Donaire looks because I mean it's. It's been a while since he's fought. And, I mean, he should beat that guy, uh, Gabayo. I don't think much of Gabayo. I thought he got a, a gift uh, over Rodriguez. And I think Donaire, if he's still sharp and on point, <clears throat> he should take this dude out uh, relatively, you know, easily. I, um, probably somewhere in the middle rounds, I think he takes him out. And then uh, the, uh, the other fight with um, – there, there's a kid on there. Brandon Lee, he's fighting uh, the guy that just fought uh, Progre, um, Geraldes. Yeah. I'm curious to, to know what you think of him, Mike. Um, I'm kind of, I'm a little iffy on that kid. I think he could be legit, but they're moving him at a real slow pace, developing him. That's what PBC does, though. So it's it's honestly, like, when people ask me about uh, PBC prospects, it's really difficult for me to say uh, cause my, like my boy Trey wanted to know, like, how should he bet on that fight? You know, could, could Brandon Lee lose that fight? And it's like, yeah, I guess he could, but th- th- he's supposed to win, you know, that's a setup for him to win. And mm-hmm. on paper, he's going to win that fight big. And so far, Brandon Lee has shown really good explosive power. We don't really know how he catches, but 
I'm always, yeah. I'm always like just, I, I I'm suspect with PBC prospects, yo, because, because of the way they develop them. I just don't know. Yeah, no, I, I totally um, agree. And then uh, the, the last one I wanted to bring up was Dimitri Bivol is fighting in Russia and he's defending mm-hmm. his belt in a, you know, uh, stay busy fight. Um, I hope he wins. I would hate to see him lose because I definitely want that fight between him and Zerto Ramirez to happen next year. Like, both of those guys need to fight somebody who can actually fight back. Like, I'm tired of watching both of these guys just fighting these dudes who are no hopers and, right. and they're made, you know, they're tailor made for them. So I really hope that they both win their tune ups, uh, this week and next week and then they sign on the dotted line so they can, uh, fight each other next year because I'm, I'm just kind of over watching both of those guys just fight nobody's and not really get tested anymore at this point. Um, and the, the last thing, Oh yeah. Since I didn't get to call in Monday, Mike, I, I kind of got to see, um, both fights. I kind of agree with what you said about the, uh, Cruz, um, Davis fight. Mm. I thought that Cruz, you know, came on towards the end and, you know, really made it a, a lot tougher fight for Davis than I think they even anticipated. But I was a little disappointed in the kid in that his corner didn't really tell him to kind of go all out and just, you know, risk it all because, I mean, if Davis really had a messed up hand, like they keep saying, why would you not tell your guy to go out there and just, you know, swing for the fences That's no matter point. what? I mean, because you're not, you're not going to get another shot at Davis. And he even said so after the fight was over, when they asked him if he would accept the rematch, he said, hell no, because he knew that he was getting, he was getting hell from this little guy. So I don't understand why his corner just didn't tell him to go balls out and go after Davis and try to see if they could get him out of there. Cause I thought he had a legitimate chance to get him out of there, him being hurt. And, and they just didn't step on the gas and they, it cost him. But I'm sure that at some point he'll get a, another shot at somebody with a name uh yeah. through the pbc who that is i don't know and then uh the last one was uh with haney and diaz i thought diaz also too gave him a tough fight but it's kind of like what some people said if diaz would have had a little bit more pop in his hands i think he would have taken haney out but the fact that he was didn't have that pop it cost him big time in that fight and i'm starting to kind of wonder mike like I'm not so sure that Haney should go up to 40, but he might not have a choice because it looks like he's really killing himself to make 35. But I'm worried that at 140, he's going to get in there with dudes who hit a hell of a lot harder and are a lot heavier than he is. And he might just end up getting smoked. I mean, unless him and his management literally pick and choose the softest guys in that division, they're not going to win a title in that division. It's going to be tough for him to win a title at 40 when he does move up. So, you know, um, I'd be curious to see what they do with him moving forward when he eventually does move up, but I'm not sold on him at all. I still think he's very suspect, even for a guy who does have a title right now, you know? So, yeah, all right, Mike, that's my call. All right, man. (laughs) Have a good one, Nacho. All right, right, peace. Thanks, you too. Real quick for those of you uh, just getting on here, and I'll pull up the other uh, 
the other way in in a second, but I just wanted to show you. Um, for those of you just getting on, just a reminder, tomorrow night I'm calling the fights for a club show here in Atlanta, the Underground Showdown on the WBC Live Network, and it's powered by Vive TV. Vive TV is like the production company that that does all the actual like programming. The WBC is just the name. So you see Vive Network here in the corner of the screen, and they have boxing content playing 24-7. They have different um, – different shows like my show, the neutral corner is on there. I know they have T street controversy on there. They have the, I'm not sure who the boxing authorities are. I'm not sure who these guys are, but their show looks interesting. This looks cool. But tomorrow night, they're going to have the underground showdown right here. So uh, I will be calling the fights. Oh, they're pulling up. Uh, I guess that's an ad where I was talking about it on my show recently, but um they're going to have, uh, let me find the actual ad because, yeah, here we go. Oh, no, these are just videos. Okay. Obviously, I don't know what I'm doing. But <clears throat> all you got to do is go to this site, all right, and just, just literally Google WBC Live channel. Boom. Go to the site, create a profile. It's free. And then you log in with your email and password. And you can watch this content 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anywhere in the world. They have a schedule with all the different shows they have on there. And then they have live events. And again, I'll be calling the fights tomorrow. It starts at 7 o'clock p.m. I'm calling the fights here in Atlanta with Money Powell III, who's an awesome guy. And his kid's a pretty damn good fighter. So that's going to be fun. So make sure that you guys check that out. I saw a question here in the chat. Uh, Blood Orange asked, do you agree with rings pound for pound ratings? Well, let's pull them up and have a look, shall we? I'll pull them up here on the screen so you guys can see. Okay, here we go. Um, and this is as of December 4th. Okay, now our ratings process, of course, it's a it's a democratic process. So, um, you know, we, we have everyone in the panel kind of argues it out and then we uh, go with the average, the, the weighted average. So number one, we have Canelo. Yes, I agree. Number two, Usyk. Yes, I agree. Number three, Crawford. Yep. And I put Crawford above Inoue and even above Taylor right now. And I know that might upset some of you guys, but Inoue, look who fought last, right? Crawford just fought. He just stopped Sean Porter. No one's ever done that. Crawford started as a lightweight. Sean Porter is a top 10 welterweight. So all things considered, Crawford number three, I'm good with that. Then Inoue, sure. Josh Taylor, sure. Now, the bottom five is where I think you get into debate. The top five right now, pound for pound, I don't really think there's an argument. It just might be the order. You, some of you out there might not like this ordering, but the top five guys, I mean, clearly the top two, I would say, is Canelo and Usyk. Those guys have separated themselves from the pack. If you want to put Crawford, Inoue, and Taylor up there too in top five, like I, I'm good with that. Those guys have separated themselves in, in a different way. Then you get into this, like the waters get a little murky, right? And right now we have Errol Spence at six. I personally would not rate Errol Spence that high. He's fought once in two years or something, once in two plus years. And I get it. There have been injuries and there's been accidents and things he's had to deal with. But the bottom line is, he hasn't fought. And I fought with a lot of my, the, the fellow, what's interesting is with the Errol Spence thing is a lot of the Americans on the panel, okay, 
Um, they really, really are high on Spence. It's a lot of the non-American members of the panel that kind of agreed with me, some of them, not all, some of them, that Spence should be dropped a little bit or maybe is a little rated too highly right now because a lot of the American writers make a big deal of his win over Mikey Garcia, which I don't think is that big of a deal, and Danny Garcia, which certainly isn't a big deal. But they'll say, well, Mike, Mikey Garcia was this pound-for-pound guy when he was a featherweight and a, and a lightweight. How long ago was that is my question. Since he signed with PBC and then he kind of has done these one-offs with Matchroom and stuff, he really hasn't been that impressive to me. He's fought B and C-level opposition, and when he fought an A-level guy, he got absolutely dominated. That was a 120-108 shutout. I was ringside. Garcia didn't win a round of that fight. So when he fought Spence. And then with Danny Garcia, I get that he was the junior welterweight champion. How long ago was that? Almost a decade ago, it feels like. So for Spence to beat a guy like Danny Garcia, who's been just basically a, a boxing businessman, like Mikey Garcia the last however many years, never been an elite welterweight. I don't rate those wins very highly. Errol Spence's best win is Kel Brook coming off a loss, a, a beatdown knockout loss where his face was fucking smashed and he had to move down and weight 13 pounds, right? It wasn't a move from uh, middleweight to junior middleweight. It was a move back down from middleweight to welterweight. And Brooke was winning that fight halfway through six, eight rounds through Brooke was winning until Spence turned it up in the second half. Impressive win by Spence because it was on the road and he did come back from behind to not only win but stop uh, Brooke and smash his face just like Lovkin did. Uh, it had already been smashed. So, uh, and it's, it, it, it's, and Brooke has never been the same. He's had problems with those injuries in several fights since the Golovkin fight, right? So I, I just, Spence's resume, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there. But try telling that to the PBC sycophants. Anyway, I rate Spence highly, but I wouldn't have him number six. Now, Estrada at seven, a lot of people felt that Chocolatito beat him earlier this year. I don't, I don't think it's a big deal to have Estrada in the top 10 because I think he's one of the best fighters in the world. I've been high on Estrada for years. They're, they will eventually rematch, probably in early 2022, and we'll get an answer to that question. Lomachenko, I, we'll see tonight. If he handles Kome the way we think he will, I think he deserves to be in the top 10. I'm big on Ioka, and I know the, the, his fight coming up with Ancajas, I really felt that was going to further solidify his pound-for-pound credentials. It got postponed because of you know what's going on in, in the world. But um, I do think he's a pound-for-pound top 10 guy. I do. And I, was a, I, was, I made a big push to get him on the list late last year. Tyson Fury at number 10. I vehemently disagree with this. Vehemently. And I made that known on the, uh, on the, the ratings chats and the committee chats. The reason why I'm so against this, well, there's multiple reasons. You guys know I don't rate heavyweights until they have cleaned out the division. He's got to beat Usyk, and then I'll put him on the list. But in, you, in terms of pound for pound, everyone he's fought, that's a top-level fighter. I He was on performance enhancement. I'm just I'm done being a Mr. Nice Guy about this. I'm just going to fucking say it. He was on performance-enhancing drugs when he beat Klitschko years ago. And that was fucking 
six years ago. I can't even remember what year that was. It was so long ago. So good win, but there was some help, and it was a long time ago. Since then, he has three wins over Deontay Wilder, who was a hype job, smoke and mirrors, was never an elite-level fighter. He had a big right hand and fought a bunch of BC-level guys, and he was propped up by the American media. Those wins over him are great wins. Great wins, okay? And he, at one point, it was number one versus number two, so he became lineal. He has the Ring Magazine Championship at heavyweight. But he outweighed Deontay Wilder by 50 pounds. So in pound-for-pound pound terms, okay, I just don't think Tyson Fury rates being on the pound-for-pound pound list. But I'll tell you guys how he snuck in because we went back and forth on this, and there are other people on the panel who agree with me, okay? Who else has clearly, distinctively separated himself enough to be rated in the top 10? And this is the debate that we had, okay? Charlo Castaño fought to a draw. A lot of people thought Castaño won. Some people thought Charlo won. Most people were pretty good with the draw. Neither one of them clearly separated themselves where I feel Char either of the Charlos or Castaño belongs on this list. They don't. They haven't done more than Fury. And I don't like Fury being on the list, but the truth is neither one of those guys have done more than Fury. So who would you put here? Who would you rate? That's the question. And we went down the list of guys who are just, just there, just like we thought about Beterbiev, but he hasn't been fighting. Now he has a fight coming up. What, next week I think it is? If he looks good in that fight, he's back on the list. Fury's off. I, I, I can't guarantee it, but that would be my bet. Okay, so so um, the list will change in the coming weeks. Okay, when we you guys got to remember, Golovkin had a fight coming up. We were going to see Ioka fight, and some of those fights got canceled, pushed back. So we don't quite know who's moving and shaking. And but at some point, Charlo Castagno are going to do a rematch. I think Charlo will win that fight. That might be enough to nudge him on this list, depending on what happens. Tiafimo Lopez is gone. Right, we kicked him off the list entirely. I don't think Cambosos deserves to be on for one big win. So um, that's the problem right now. No one out there has solidified themselves as a pound-for-pound -pound guy clearly and distinctively to deserve being on this list. That's the truth. And that's why right now our I feel our list is kind of incomplete and kind of like floating in limbo, to be honest. It, it doesn't feel good. And I don't think Fury belongs on there. But he belongs on there more than some of the other guys that other publications have on their list. So, all right, let's see. We've got, uh, let's watch this Donair Gabayo weigh in. And let's go back to the phones, shall we? We got a couple of calls here. All right, we've got, it looks like we got a call from the Bronx. 646, you're on the show. What's going on? Hey, what's happening? What's hey, up? Galito Montero. What's going on? Not much, man. Not hey, much. Um, not much. All right. So, listen, I, as far as uh, you talking about that pound for pound thing, kind of threw me off from what my, my, you know, my plan point was, but I, uh -huh. I do want to touch upon that once is, is that for me, my understanding of pound for pound, why would uh, put a fight on a pound for pound is, would be simply is do your strength do what does what you do as a fighter translate into other weight classes? So, for example, um, 
I would put Vasily Lomachenko on a pound for pound list because we have evidence that his style and what he does as a fighter translates in other divisions because we can tangibly see that Uzik fights in Lomachenko style. That is Lomachenko style. They come from the same school. Mm. Uh, also, what Vasdik did at 175 was uh, against um, the guy he got who he got the WBC belt from when he won. It was Stevenson. similar movements, and they all like studied under under Papachenko, right? So that's one thing. Uh, as far as Tyson Fury is concerned, um, you're right. He has the three wins over, uh, well, the two wins over uh, Wilder, and then the draw. Plus, he has the Klitschko win. But the thing about Fury is that he showed an ability to adapt from one fight to the other. He he, he, he was evasive in the first fight against against um, uh, Wilder. And then the second and third fight, he came forward. And the other thing okay. is that no, despite what anybody says about Wilder being a B-level fighter, nobody but nobody gets up from that right hand. Okay. The way that Fury did. Um, the other thing it's is... It's a good point. It's a good the, point. The other thing that I really wanted to get to is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I get a little bit annoyed with... Um, the state of, I hope that you, you're not, you don't have something against uh, being critical against uh, fellow writers and stuff like that. But it, I just, I just heard this show that I'm not gonna promote him on your show. That's gonna, you probably not gonna like that. But the thing is that here's these two guys, well-established writers, a very popular podcast, right? They sit around and talk about Lomachenko. Why is Lomachenko hanging around at 135? They say, oh, that he should go back down to 130. There's nobody going to fight at 135. This on the eve of him fighting for the WBO uh, uh, man- mandatory decision at at, uh, 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 at 135. On the eve of that. Hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, these are who these boxing fans have to report back to them. No wonder the sport is all screwed up and the fans don't know what's going on. You understand? So, um... Let's say Lomachenko, why is he at 135? Because no, Haney's not going to get that, 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 uh, Cambosis fight. That's not going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Lomachenko, if you think of, if you, if you think about it, uh, uh, objectively, um, who's got, what would be a bigger payday for, uh, uh, Cambosis in Australia, which you know that Lomachenko would like board the next the next plane to to I say Lomachenko or Haney Lomachenko. Lomachenko he's an international star yeah all he, day he's not a big, as big as right so him and his willingness to go to the to, to uh, um, Australia the fact that he's a mandatory position at the WBO and the WBC if he wins against Coleman right uh, puts him in prime position to getting that Combozo fight which would be ironic because it would be tantamount to him getting a rematch with Lopez. <laughs> it's crazy the way it works, right, man? Yeah. It's crazy. That's boxing, though, it's man. Crazy. It round and round it goes, it, this it thing of ours. It definitely is, man. You I'm know, curious. And, and what so, show What I, show were you talking about before? I'm curious. I'm glad you asked. You see, I'm going to let you ask me before I <laughs> 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 I might not I say shit, but I, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Hey, listen. 
uh, uh, man. Right? You got to listen to that show. It is dribble. Max? Oh, uh, okay. No, Manix. Manix. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The guy from the zone. Yeah. Yeah, Manix. He had Keith Idis on. These are two huge names as far as writing. Am I, am I wrong here? These are not New Jack. This is not a regular old, you know, run of the mill cat. They know yeah. what's going on. So, oh, but it, it, it behooves me. It's like, wow, man, like you, you sit there writing for a living, being all up in this thing, and don't understand the landscape? Really? It's going to really, they went on and on and on and on about Haney getting this right and then, and Lomachenko, he's got nowhere. And what's he going to do at 135? He's just that. He's got nothing there. I don't see him staying there. And I'm like, dude, WBO mandatory. Yeah. That's what he's doing there. And the thing is, with if you if, if you're um, what's his name um, uh, the, the promoter that has the uh, comment uh, um, Isabella. Isabella. If you're Isabella, yeah. first of all, let me tell you something. It's high time that Isabella starts um really uh reaping the benefits of his higher level fighters because he didn't do it with, with Maravilla. Because Maravilla was the WBC uh, 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 um, uh, middleweight champion, right? Mm-hmm. And he kowtowed to Cotto. And I know that Cotto was the one with the Puerto Rican fans and this and that, but not to that extent. The point that happened with, with, with Debella is that he can't, he can't get into a negotiating, he can't sit in a negotiating table with Bob Allen. He can't do it. That's why he gave away the kitchen sink with that fight when it was Cotto who needed that belt. But that's neither here nor there. The thing is there. The thing is this: that um, uh, right now, Zabella. Let's say that Comey does beat Lomachenko. He lands a, a right hand. Lomachenko can't get up. Boom. Do you give that fight a, a coach? What do you do? Do you do Comey? Uh, do you do a Comey Camboso, or do you do Haney Camboso? Do you keep it in house? Would he have the the the, the hook spot to keep it in house and? And it, it, it would probably be the biggest fight that he's ever had in house in his life. <laughs> I, I would still, I would still go with the Comey fight. I would still, if if I were Cambosos in that situation, I would still go with the Comey fight because stylistically, I think Comey would be an easier fight for him, a better fight for him than Haney. And you could do the Comey fight, which is a mandatory, and you could do that in Australia, make that your big homecoming and everything, and then do the fight with Haney the second half of next year. And if you want to sell out for the money, you come to Vegas. If, if you can get, you could do it in Australia again, you do it that way, but that would be the way the business should, should work. If I was advising well, I'm, I'm them. Glad you that up because what I'm finding is that it's very hard for boxing world to swallow right now at this moment, that Cambosos would be the A side in any fight. Because he's got to, he actually does have his country behind him. Yeah, but brother, you, you got to remember, man, money. a lot of boxing fans don't understand. Like, I'm talking about American fight fans. They don't understand that there's a world outside of America called Earth. Exactly. <laughs> there's other countries. And exactly. I talk about this all the time, man. Like, it, Cambosis is going to bring a lot of international money in. And yeah, Comey absolutely would be exactly. the B Even Haney, I think, would be the financial B side in that situation, man. Thank Davis would be the B side. Tank Davis would be the B side, which is yeah, another thing. You know how many heads would that will explode if they heard you say that right now? <laughs> Listen, 
it is what it is. <laughs> it is what Crawford, when Crawford does his little pay-per-view numbers, he says of whether it's a 130, 190, it's a big deal, it's a failure. But nobody's talking about what, what, what Deep Davis, I call him Deep, by the way, because he hasn't rose, risen up to the level of Tank yet. Mm-hmm. Because Tank's on that protection, Deep's on. So anyway, so nobody's talking about the numbers he's doing. He's not cracking 200,000. Right. And when he does a pay-per-view, when he does a pay-per-view, they have to give, what, 40, 50% to the cable company. Meanwhile, right. even if, 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 if Crawford did 135,000, first it was reported 192, but whatever it is, Top Rank made money from that. Yeah. Right? And that's why you use that portal. And, Top, and Crawford is about to find out that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Oh, yeah. That's what he's about to find out. Oh, yeah. He's thinking he's under this impression that the pay-per-views and this and that, and they shouldn't have put it on ESPN+. Listen, you ding back. What what, what Top Rank did for you was classy. On the way out the door, they give you the biggest fight with them, man. On the way out the door, they could have given you some jab and pay you the $4.5 million minimum that you have put you on your way out the door. But on the way out the door, they shell out $10 million to put you against Porter. Let them handle their business and make their money. Whatever they put it, if they put it on the ESPN portal because they can make more money back, what business is that of yours? You understand what I'm saying? And Crawford, now that he's gone, now he wants to make videos calling out Spence and being all up in the media and this and that. You should have done that when you were with Top Rank. Should have been doing that for because 10 you years, man. Yeah. Exactly. You, you got to think about it this way, man. Back when, when Crawford went pro, nobody wanted him. Nobody. Top Rank picked him up. He might have already had this belt against uh, Burns. He might have been with Top Rank when he fought Burns. I can't remember. But they picked him up and they built a brand because yeah, no, no, that no, he, dude he sells. Top rank, yeah. He sells out when he fights in Omaha. So they built a brand in his hometown. They've traveled to Vegas for a couple of his fights. He's done okay for a guy that no other promoter wanted and is not easy to market. They've done very well. So I agree with you. He's going to find out the grass isn't always greener. That's that's what it is, brother. Anyway, man, thank you for giving me the time. Michael Montero. You know who's talking to you, right? No. Yeah, I I didn't get your name, brother. Who is it? level boxing talk, baby. Next level boxing to all right, man. Yeah, okay. I th- saw you on the chat. I, hey, man, call in again, brother. All right, all right, brother, man. Thank you, man. All right, have a good one. That's some great points there, man. Some great points. Uh, real quick, guys, I want to jump to a couple of these super chats. Um, <laughs> I love some of these comments about Nico Walsh, by the way. This shit's hilarious. But Agro Shaolin with the super chat, thank you so much, man. He says, uh, why was Loma and Usyk left out of rings latest 100? Curious about the grading. You got to elaborate on that. Are you talking about, was there a list of 100 fighters? What am I missing? Because um, I can't think. They're both on the pound for pound list right now. So we give Loma and Usyk plenty of love. We recognize their greatness. But um, you got you to elaborate. Because I'm trying to think of what list you're talking about. Um, Matt Sadio with the super chat. Thank you very much, brother. He says this Estrada Chocolatito run beside Quadras. Why rivalry severely underrated? Fuck. Yeah, it is. 
Well, I talk about the, you know, everyone's talking about the four kings and shit, or the four pups is what I call them at, uh, right around lightweight right now. How about these guys right at 115? Uh, every single one of those fights that they've put up in recent years have been fire. Every single one. So, yeah, I, I, whenever those guys are fighting each other or really anybody else, I'm watching. Real talk. Arrow with the super chat. Thank you. He says, Spence is way too high, doesn't belong in the list. Yeah, look, man, I, I like Spence as a fighter. I think he's the second best welterweight in the world. I think Crawford's number one. I think Spence is number two. And by the way, I felt that way for years. It didn't take Crawford beating Porter for me to suddenly wake up and think that way. Those of you who watch the show, you know I've always felt that way. But I'm high on Spence, but in a pound-for-pound pound sense, okay, he hasn't cleaned out his division. He hasn't fought the top guy. Um, he's had everything in house since Brooke. And again, his best win is Brooke. And like I described before about Brooke coming down two weight classes, coming off a knockout loss, coming off a facial reconstructive surgery. If that's your best W, and that was how many years ago? Um, I don't know if that's pound for pound. Maybe he's at the very bottom of the top 10. Because again, there's not a lot of guys that have really separated themselves. But, you know, Matt, to Matt's comment, maybe Estrada and Chocolatito should be on the list right now. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they should both be in the top 10 because their fight was so close earlier this year. I don't know. But, yeah, that's, that's they want pound for pound list, man. It's all subjective. Sam A with the super chat. Thank you, brother. He says, Donaire looks real good. He likes this young Filipino but should beat him. He wants the rematch with Inoue. Yes, he does. He very much does. That fight has to happen again. It was fight of the year. Yeah, so I talked to Donaire a lot uh, during the summer for a, an article I was doing for Ring when he was supposed to fight. Um, and he was supposed to fight Casimiro. Remember that? He told me then, uh, him and his wife, they want that rematch with Inoue. Really, really bad. They want that rematch. By the way, uh, a couple of you guys commented in the chat when Donaire was doing translation for his opponent during a press conference they had for, for Gabayo, his opponent, who only speaks uh, Tagalog. He was doing, um, he was translating. And it was funny as uh, Gabayo was talking about Donaire because he was being asked questions from the media about his opponent, which is Donaire. So Donaire translated for the media about Gabayo's answer about him. Like it was just, it was very cool. And Donaire is such a classy guy. As soon as he retires, he will get my vote for the Hall of Fame. Uh, first ballot. I don't give a shit who else is on the ballot. Donaire's in. And it's for several reasons. Um, it, this little run he's going on later in his career is pretty awesome, especially when you consider that he's a clean fighter. One of the few undeniable clean fighters in all of fight sports today. Um, and he's the only guy, and I've talked about this a million times, that does, at his expense, 24-7 drug testing with VADA. Uh, he's the real deal when it comes to that, man. And that's why I respect him so much for everything he's done in the ring, and, and but also that he's just a class act. In American boxing, I get it. He was born in the Philippines, but he's an American fighter. Um we could really use a lot more Nonito Donaire's. Agro Shaolin, again, uh, with the Super Chat. So, yeah, he would say, okay, the Rig Magazine latest issue. Okay, Agro, I haven't seen that article. I haven't seen it yet because I now I know what you're talking about. They were doing a 100 years special with this uh, 
issue that just came out and I just haven't gotten it yet. I haven't had a chance. I've been so damn busy to read everything yet that came through. So I haven't seen the article, um, but I'll, I'll check it out. I should be getting it any day now. And this weekend, at least Sunday, I should have some downtime. I can read that and um, we'll talk about it on my show next week. All right. How about that? Sorry, I can't give you an answer right now, but we'll talk about it next week. I promise you, brother. Okay. We're going to take a couple more quick calls running out of the hour here. So let's keep these quick. All right, guys, we're going to run through these real quick. Quick reminder for those of you just getting on underground showdown tomorrow night, WBC live network, go to their website, create a login. It's free. You can watch your boy. Call the ringside commentary along with Mr. Money Powell III, who's an awesome human being from a boxing family. All right. Keith, what's up? You're on the show, my friend. Hi, what's going on? Chilling. How are you? Good. That's Friday. You too. Um, real quick, thank, thank you. Uh, real quick, um, we kind of, the, the media of the last couple of years, I'm not talking about, you talking about anyone specifically, specifically, they kind of like essentially pointed at after the Lopez Cambosis fight. Everything that Lopez went through and is apparently torn aside, I guess, uh, going into the fight. But I think what Cambosis kind of went through, too, and how he's acting afterwards is just kind of like a, a testament or a really good example of how not only fighters should act, but human beings in general should act. He's very, very humble, very, very grateful, and just the way he handles, um, just the way he was handling the media and just talking to other potential opponents in the future as well. It's like, wow, this guy, you know, people like Lopez should take notes as well, too. Yeah, good point. That's a real good point. Um, I mean, he lost his, yeah, I mean, he lost his grandfather and he had his son born the same day going to that camp and he had to go through the Australian quarantine as well, too. So he, he went through a lot of stuff. Um, and we didn't get to, you didn't get to elaborate, but you said in the, uh, a lot of people were thinking that Lopez was uh, avoiding the Lomachenko rematch because they saw something. I, I mean, what I saw was in the second half of the fight, Lomachenko turned it on. And then just it looked like the shots that he was landing on Lopez were visibly bothering Lopez. And I mean, that's pretty obvious. But what what was there anything else that you think that they saw that kind of deterred them from taking the rematch? So from Loma's side, he found something and he, I thought, won the second half mm-hmm. of that fight. Um, he, you know, dropped the first six rounds, but then he won the second half of the fight. But then for Lopez, I think, you know, and some of it might be the weight cut. He has shown that in later rounds of fights at lightweight, he does kind of start to slow down toward the second half, especially the championship rounds. And there were just some technical things that Loma kind of figured out because the one thing about Tio is he could be a little predictable. He's explosive as hell. And, but you saw how predictable he was against Cambosos. Now Cambosos had the benefit of watching 12 rounds between Tio and Loma. He had that to look at and study, but you could see that they prepared for certain things. He saw certain punches coming. They still got through because Tio is so fast and athletic. And you saw Cambosis, his face was marked up. But Tio, junior and senior, know what happened in the ring against Loma in the second half of that fight. Regardless of what they say publicly, they know. And that's why they were in no rush to do a rematch with Lomachenko. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, my my thing is if Lomachenko wins tomorrow, which I think he should, um, if he you know he probably would become like I mentioned a, a front runner. My only thing is that it's not 
Actually, it might be a mandatory. So if it's a mandatory, never mind. But if he's not a mandatory, I don't think I don't see Bob Arum throwing a whole lot of money towards that fight, to be honest, especially if he's a co-promoter because he wants to keep everything in-house. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about, too, is um, with uh, Devin, uh, Devin Haney. Um, I don't think he, sh- he should take his time before he goes to 140. He's a fast fighter, great technique, <clears throat> but he's not very, um, he's not extremely slick. Like he gets caught, he gets hit with shots. He's not very slippery and elusive uh, as much as, like, as much, as much as you think he, you know, people say he is. And if he gets touched by, because he is touching him and he's not really, I don't think a, a true, true lightweight. I think he needs to hire a, a better nutritionist to cut back down to 130. Um, because he doesn't have the pop. I mean, he's got power. But uh, the tank or obviously Lomachenko, where did where did the land on Devin Haney? Um, you know, it could definitely uh, it definitely could change the change the arc of the fight. I think that's what's that that could hurt him, and he has no power either. So, yeah. But uh, that's my call. Thank you guys for everything, and uh, I'll be listening. Thanks a lot, brother. Have a good one. You too. Bye. All right, I think we're gonna take one more call. I think this is Hamed. Let me see. Let me jump over here to the phone. All right, seven nine six. You're on the show. What's going on? Yeah, it's me. How's it going? I'm Ed. What's going on, man? Long time no talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I haven't been able to tune in for the last couple of weeks because uh, I've been busy with work. I've tuned in here and out, here and there, but I just wanted to get thoughts on a couple of things. You know, with the Fury White fight being ordered, uh, oh yeah, it looks like it seems like we may never get an undisputed fight, but. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on this. If, say, if uh, Joshua and what's it called, Eddie Hearn, they have second thoughts about that rematch and go a different way, I'd say Usyk is free. And then Fury, I don't know. It won't be a good luck in a way, but say he drops that belt and he fights Usyk, uh, would that like would that diminish the fight any less, or do you think it doesn't make hmm. a difference? Because I think they both. Like I said this last year, I said this a couple of years ago as well. Regardless of all the belts being on the line, we are yet to see the two universally unquestionably the two guys fight each other when they both at the peak of their powers. So it happened to Walter Joshua, and it happened to Joshua Fury. Mm. It looks like it may happen to Fury and this thing. Uh, I'm not sure what you think about that. Though. That's an interesting question, man. So, so just to make sure I understand your scenario here, if if Joshua kind of stepped aside and went a different direction yeah. and Fury dumped the WBC belt, he decided he didn't want to fight Dillian White as mandatory, and we ended yeah. up getting Fury Usyk, you'd have the two top heavyweights fighting each other, but it wouldn't be for quote-unquote undisputed. And yeah, most fans would rather see that than anything else because it's clearly the two best. But there would be a a little section of fans out there that would say, well, this isn't for undisputed. And that's why I always say, I think a lot of people pay too much attention to the belts. The belts are too political. It's It's a political thing. And I think that fans should stop looking at all the different titles and just look at, okay, who are the two best fighters in the division? Let's get them to fight. Sometimes the real champion of a division has two belts. Sometimes they have all four. Really doesn't matter. Yeah. You, we know when the man has beat the man, right? Like we know when that's happened. And right now, Fury and Usyk yeah. are the man. You know, th- those are the two guys. Yeah. yeah, the reason I see that because uh, 
it looks like we may never get an undisputed fight and I know a lot of these guys who wanted undisputed and some of these guys on YouTube channels and some of these guys I've seen on vocal on social media but they're very vocal when it was Joshua and Wilder and it looks like they were they were looking at it from one point I know the Wilder fanatic PBC fans were looking at it the other way mm-hmm. so to me it seems like now they just want and it looks like Eddie Hearn wants Joshua and White to fight because that's in-house uh, what's it called they couldn't make it in-house uh, undisputed Unification. I understand that what Hearn is doing. He's a promoter and he's looking after his fighters. But as a fan, I wanted to see Wilder and what's it called, Kitsko fight. I wanted to see Fury right. and uh, Joshua fight. Uh, it looks like we may never get that. Because the thing with this fight is, it's just Caleb Plant and Canelo and Caleb, excuse me, Caleb Plant through that belt away. That's a different scenario with Fury. He does have the ring belt. He's, un- uh, he's unquestionably the number one a guy in the division and both Fury and Usyk are also unbeaten and they you, they cannot either one of those guys can be ranked no lower than number two so mm-hmm. I, I'd rather just see that fight whether or not it's for all the belts I don't really care at this stage because I've seen the same with Joshua and Fury because the thing uh, it looks like every time we get into this position Something comes up. Uh, I know Eddie Hearn put in a rematch clause. Uh, and Lucy can read to him, but I don't know how. Like, how, where do we stop? We keep like it keeps dragging on and on, and mm-hmm. it could get to a stage where this either could be over. We don't see a clear. Uh, to me, whoever wins the fight between Fury and Lucy is undisputed. I know they won't have right. all the belts, but what happened with Devin Haney and the whole WBC uh, franchise situation, to me right now, it's too many belts. Like, uh, I don't know, is the WBC and WBA really any more credible than the IBO? Like, I think it's hard to argue. It's harder and harder to argue that. Yeah, I I think like, that's why I say the undisputed lightweight champion of the world right now is George Cambosos. He beat the man who beat the man who beat the man. And that really upsets some people. And they say, well, what about Devin Haney? And I say, I like Devin Haney. He's a, a top five lightweight. He has a belt, but it's he's not the champion. And there's a big difference between a title holder and a champion. Uh, and sometimes the, the, the actual yeah. champion of a division isn't necessarily the best fighter. Because if you ask me who's a better fighter today, Lomachenko or Cambosos, I'd say Lomachenko is better than Cambosos. Yeah. But yeah, Loma, I, yeah, I, Loma has no belts. But he's better than Cambosos. I, I'd, I'd favor Tiafima Lopez. If they, if he would have fought Cambosos when when Top Rank wanted him to back in March, I think Tio would have won the fight. So, um, yeah. but Cambosos is the champion. He's got the belts and he beat the guy. So, yeah, and that's just the yeah. debate, Habed, that goes back and forth between boxing fans. You know. Yeah, I, I'll say one last thing on that. Uh, it is two sides to it. Technically, undisputed is normally for all the belts, but there is a scenario. It's, I don't know if these, a lot of these fans were watching boxing, but when Hassan and Pacquiao fought, and I think it happened with uh, Nassim Ahmed and uh, Barrera, both those fights, it wasn't actually recognized as a major alphabet trinity belt on the line. I think the ring magazine was on the line and the IBO belt was on the line. And when Pacquiao beat Hassan, he became the lineal the champion i think Hatton did have the idea itself but it didn't sanction the belt yeah because hadn't so hadn't had beat costa zoo and even i think he had one fight up at 47 and, and or and lost i think he had technically beat Malinaji. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he was recognized as the 140 champ still. So when Pacquiao yeah. beat him, yeah, he he became the legit champ at 140. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because we, we we really want to see the best fight, the best. But I don't I don't mind seeing Fury of Light. I think that's a good fight. That's probably the best fight we could see outside the Fury can't fight the other two. Was it White? Not White. I mean Joshua Usyk, but. Same with Usyk. Uh, if there was a way of him stepping aside in this fight and knowing of Fury Wilder, which was Fury, I, I don't really care about the belts anymore. Like, uh, it, there was a point when Fury, when Joshua and Wilder were trying to unify. I thought it was good that we could have seen the undisputed champion, but three years of just the whole thing going back and forth, I, I don't know. Like, I think Heyman, Hearn, a lot of these guys, even maybe Bob, were trying to do the same. Uh, it, it seems like they just uh, yeah well heavyweight everything's exaggerated because the money is exaggerated but i will tell you and i've talked about this on my channel al Heyman and pbc and deontay wilder's team blocked unification in the division going back to 2014 they were the biggest not the only reason but the biggest reason they're out of the box now they're out of the picture so it is up Mm -hmm. to top rank bob arum and top rank and eddie hearn and matchroom to get this shit done and the, these guys, I would say, have until the end of next year to get it done. It's complicated. There are mandatories. You have to take care of that shit. I get it. But build the fight. If Usyk beats Joshua again next spring and Fury beats White in their fight, then you got you got the green light. Go ahead and do it. But now that Al Heyman's out of the picture, the roadblocks are gone, and they got to get it done. If they do not get it done by the end of 22, shame on them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. One thing I would like to see on that, that's that's true, but at the same time, with Joyce and some of these other mandatory challenges, I, I don't know, like, with Charles Martin fighting Lewis Ortiz, to me, it looks like Heyman's trying to get back one of, of his course he is as a mandatory challenge. Of course. And at that point, at that point, I don't know, it comes down to to these sanctioned bodies. Who have they got a better relationship with? Because uh, say if Usyk does with Joshua Fury and White, if really wins a white race or whatever, at that point, what if another mandatory is called? And oh, there will be one of Heyman's guys. One of Heyman's guys will be in know. line for the BA, and and he has a very good relationship with the BC. They'll take care of him. So the BC and BA will work with Heyman to get mandatory shots for their guys. But you have a year to fulfill that mandatory. So once Fury beats White, which he will, um, and I. I favor Usyk to be Joshua in that rematch, but that rematch is going to be way more competitive than a lot of fans think. It's 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 not sure. a, it's not a given. But assuming Usyk wins, the they will have the go ahead to do it right then, and it'll basically be like at some point next summer where they can do it. That's they have to get it done then. If they don't, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that happens. Uh, one other thing I want to see before I drop off. Is a new fighting some guy on the Tuesday? Because I was looking at that, but yeah. I wasn't too. All right, all right. So yeah. I think that is. That, that's I'm going to talk that. about that on my show Monday. He's he's got a. There's there's several cards coming up. I think uh, in Thailand, yeah. Japan during the and they do this toward the end of the year. It's just a cultural thing over there. Yeah. What do you before I go? I just want to say, what do you think of Bertubia and uh, Marcus Brown? Because I'm looking at Bivol's fighting this week. Uh, the guy he's fighting is a good fighter. He was meant to fight, I think, is the guy that Joe Smith beat in a close decision. But Patibia of Marcus Brown, a couple of years ago, I think that would have been 
it still might be a competitive fight, but I think that would have been a close fight. I just think a lot of people now are basing on what happened with Marcus Brown's fight against, I think it's Pascal, but since then Pascal popped. Yeah, so I was sure just going to say, I think people are putting way too much into that. I think that's a competitive fight. I think Marcus Brown is going to yeah. give Baturbiev some issues. I still favor Baturbiev. I think he'll overcome him and stop him. But John Pascal was doped up, you know, juice to the gills when he beat uh, Brown. So people are putting way too much weight into that. I think it's a competitive fight, yeah. man. Brown's a southpaw. He's a lot younger. He's a strong, athletic guy. He was a, an Olympian. He's not a chump. So I think he's going to give yeah. Baturbiev a good fight. I really do. Yeah, Baturbiev should give him a... He should give Baturbiev a good fight, but they both fought, uh, I think, a similar opponent. I think, I think his name was Hot Rod, something, Kalagnik, but I think that was a really long time ago in Marcus Brown's career. He's richly a prospect. I think his eight round, a lot of people thought he may have lost it, but since then, I've kind of been impressed with Marcus Brown, apart from the Pascal fight. So mm-hmm. I thought he beat uh, Badu Jack quite convincingly. Yep. That's why I'm kind of looking forward to. I am too. Because I think in that division is, is one of the better matches. Yeah. Thanks for being my call. I'll catch you soon. It's good talking to you. Thanks, my man. You too, man. Have a good weekend. All right. All right. All right, guys, that's it for the Friday wrap-up. Some great calls. Right before I go, Nacho on the chat says, Mike, I disagree. Brown is a spent bullet. Pascal beat him bad in his last fight. He didn't look great at all. I I hear you, Nacho, but first of all, Pascal was doped up on a bunch of shit, wasn't a natural fighter. And Brown had a lot of things going on outside the ring. That dude loves to beat women. Hopefully, he's overcome that a little bit. He might be a bigger woman beater than Sergey Kovalev. <laughs> Hopefully, they clear that shit up. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot more focused. I think he took Pascal lightly. And look, again, I still think Viterbiev is going to beat him and stop him late in that fight. I'm just saying it's going to be more competitive than people realize. Super chat from Drew right at the very end. Thank you so much, Drew. He says, Usyk stops AJ next time, and I'll be there again. Damn, dude, nice. AJ will try bullying him now, and Usyk will be pinpoint accurate. Bring back Rooftop Montero. Hey, man, maybe I'll just get on the roof of my house and do the show. All right, guys. Uh, Hey, Drew, you know what? You're right. You know, I'll think about that. Maybe it's possible. I'll think about that. We'll see what happens. But uh, you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights. We'll be back at TNC episode 294 on Monday. If you can listen and watch me do my thing live tomorrow, Underground Showdown here in Atlanta, make sure you check that out, okay? Peace.